You know that embarrassing moment when you think you recognise someone and you go up and say, Hi Mavis, and she looks at you weirdly and says, My name's Jan. Well, it happened to me a while ago in a restaurant. I saw someone on the next table who was the absolute doppelganger of someone I'd met two or three times. He's actually the father of a member of the parish. And you know how you do in those moments. Uh, you keep looking over in the hope that your eyes will make contact with theirs, and then you smile and nod and go over and talk. So I employ that strategy. I look over, and he looks at me, and we have this brief moment as eyes connect. And then he looks down at his food and carries on eating. No facial expression at all. But I'm a persistent kind of guy, and I know we know each other. I should say I'm wearing my collar at the time. And I keep looking over at him, uh, thinking that we'll make eye contact again, and this time I'll make a little smile, and he will make a little smile back, and the ice will be broken. So I keep looking over, waiting for that eye contact again, and it happens, and I smile, and I kind of wink, which was possibly a mistake. Now, this guy is with his friends, and there's this priest winking at him from across the restaurant, and he hurriedly looks down at his plate again. And I think, oh, he's just a bit shy. Uh, he's with his mates and he doesn't want to acknowledge that he knows a priest. So I'll make it easy for him. I'll go over and say hello. So I do. And as I make my way to his table, I can see him starting to look uncomfortable. And I get to him and I beam and say, hi. And he looks like a deer caught in the car's headlights. He doesn't recognise me at all. Now at this point, most normal people would realise they had made a mistake and this normal person would then apologise and return to his seat. But not me. I assume he doesn't recognise me because I'm out of context. He's only seen me in church, never in a restaurant. And so I say, you're so-and-so's dad. How are you doing? How are the grandkids? How's the hernia? No, I didn't say that last bit. Uh, he just politely tells me that he is not so-and-so's dad and wishes me a good day. So I return to my seat, hoping no one has seen me. But you know what? I'm still not convinced it wasn't him. When I see so-and-so again, I'll tell her, I saw your dad in a restaurant. He pretended not to know me. I'd rather be Marty Dorschlag. Marty Dorschlag, you see, has a superpower. If I spend 30 minutes looking at, 30 seconds looking at somebody, he told NPR, I will remember their face for years and years and years. Once, he sat behind a man at a Michigan versus Ohio State football game. Three years later, he recognised him at Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. They hadn't even talked at the game. 
At a Las Vegas restaurant, he asked the waiter if he had worked at a particular restaurant in Columbus, Ohio, many years before. The waiter froze. Yeah? Neurologists call people like Marty Dorschlag super-recognisers. They really exist, and I wish I were one. Sadly, I never can be, because super-recognisers are born, not made. I'm an ordinary recogniser, at best. I can't even spot the difference between sheep and goats. Actually, only one person can, according to Jesus in today's story, and it's him, the Son of Man. He explains there are two kinds of people. There are sheep, they are the ones you want to be, <laughs> and there are goats, and we should try to avoid being one of those. In Jesus' story, there's a sorting the two species are separated. One is honoured and blessed, the other is not. Sheep and goats. To us, they look very different. Go to the average children's petting zoo and you will be able to separate the sheep from the goats. But if that petting zoo were in the Middle East, it wouldn't be so easy. Sheep and goats in that region look very similar and from a distance, you might not be able to tell which is which. It's a job that is beyond the spidey senses of ordinary recognisers like me. And the point of the separation is the act of love. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Here is Jesus describing the sheep. The sheep has a heart that feels the pain of the downtrodden, that empathises with the marginalised, that stands in determined solidarity with those who lack the resources needed for a healthy life. And you can tell their love is genuine because they do something about it. They don't just talk about helping the under-resourced, they get involved, they sacrifice, they meet the need when they can. That's always the test of reality, the hallmark of authenticity, does it change people? Does faith compel us to action? Does love force us to serve? And the goats? Well, they just don't. We don't know why. It could be that they have good intentions but just lack follow-through. They may feel compassion but just never get around to acting on it. Or it may be worse than that. There may be a hollow void where a heart should be. I said that only the Son of Man, the great sorter, is able to distinguish the sheep from the goats. And so true is that, that even the sheep and the goats themselves don't know what species they are. Members of both groups are surprised when they learn which group they've been sorted into. 
wait, Lord, when did we see you and show you kindness or not? So deep and ingrained is their sheepiness or their goatishness that they are not even aware of it. To the sheep, it's just natural to spot Christ in the under-resourced person, and for the goat, it is equally natural not to. They're not even aware they're doing it. This is a truly shocking story. Jesus is making the point that at the last judgment, there are going to be some surprises. Some people who appear to be very sheepy, people we think of as great saints, good people who look like sincere Christians, who talk about the Bible and God and appear to mean it, well, they might not be sheep at all. They might be goats. We just can't tell. And in the same way, people who appear goatish those we think of as irreligious or unspiritual or immoral, maybe some of them are actually sheep. I can imagine standing in heaven and seeing someone I knew years before and saying, what are you doing here? And they will reply, I was looking at you thinking exactly the same thing. It's only the penetrating, clear-sighted vision of Jesus that can tell us apart. These are important words, convicting words, in an age of superlatives and hyperbole, where people are described as being the best or the worst, the greatest or most disastrous the biggest sinner or the greatest saint, God's person or Satan's person. Here is a solemn reminder from Christ himself. Do not judge. Do you think so-and-so is a real Christian? Well, it's not for us to say. Sheep can look like goats and goats can look like sheep. The shirtless, homeless, rough-looking man in San Francisco didn't look like a sheep when Galind and I met him. We were walking through that city named for a true sheep of Assisi when our calm was punctured by commotion. A man running, a small gaggle of people gathered around we knew not what, but all looking at the ground, some waving, others shouting, one on a cell phone. The running man had the look of street weariness about him, shirtless, muscular, wearing denim shorts, and accompanied by a nondescript dog who also bore the signs of a life on the street. The mayhem disturbed us. The shirtless man was now running away from the gaggle towards a black leather bag in the style the doctors carried in the days when they used to make house calls. We were just a few feet from the huddle now and we could see in between the gaggle a man lying unconscious on the stone pavement. His hair was tidy, his face well-groomed, his demeanour Visible even in his coma, 
was that of someone who very recently had had control of his life. But it was now tragically clear that control had been stolen, prized out of his hands and his mind by an assailant that rampages its way through cities and villages, rich and poor, young and old. Galind took the dog of the shirtless man. He's not breathing, someone said. Hit him, ordered another. And with that, the shirtless man opened his bag, removed a syringe and injected him in the stomach. Not enough! Hit him again! demanded another voice and the shirtless man obeyed. And instantly, life was restored. That day, we learned about Narcan, the drug that saves the lives of people who have overdosed on heroin. And we met the Narcan Angel. That's what we named the shirtless man. Homeless, rough-looking, with a doctor's bag who patrols the city, a dog's lead in one hand and medicine in the other, looking for all the world like a goat, but acting like a sheep. And reading Jesus' story, we know who the other man was too, the dead man brought back to life. It was Jesus himself. Christ says that when the sheep do their acts of kindness, they are doing them for him, sorry, to him, not for him, but to him, as if he is the sick, the destitute, the prisoner, the addict, the starving, and the goats, well, it is Jesus they are not doing it to. If we saw the real Jesus in a shop doorway asking for food, then what would we do? <laughs> We'd give him some, that's what. If it was the real Jesus in the hospital bed or the prison cell, then we'd be quick to visit. And Jesus says, surprise, it is me. Inasmuch as you do it to the least of his people, we do it for him. Now there's a word from God in our COVID-racked, spiteful, judgmental days. May God find us to be sheep. Amen.